I think before getting into any uh, subtle reflections on Dhamma this evening, I should make reference to uh, this wonderful development that we are witnessing here on Harnham Hill, and that is the functioning of our new sewerage system. This is uh, not a small thing. Uh, probably fair enough to say that it's been a problem here so long as we've been here. Uh, it's been a, an acute problem for the last seven years and uh, not a small thing that, that uh, well, many people have been involved in working very hard to uh, come to some solution and um, it's arrived yesterday morning. I don't quite know what happened. I was up in Scotland but somebody turned a switch on and it all started working. And uh, so please, um, well, with some degree of modesty, uh, don't get carried away, but uh, <laughs> feel free to enjoy the facilities. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, for uh, very obvious, I'm sure to everybody, the uh, the work is not finished, and that means that we have some difficulty with parking. But uh, rest assured that this is something that uh, will be addressed, and uh, is not doesn't have to be a problem. So don't please don't worry about it. Just feel good about uh, where we've gotten so far. So it's wonderful. So as I was, as I mentioned, I was up in Scotland uh, yesterday and um, to the Edinburgh and Glasgow groups, and so basically three days of pretty much non-stop talking. Uh, my driver is scintillating company. So even between even between uh, meetings. Three meetings in three days, endless, fascinating uh, discussions. So um, when it came to uh, Sunday night puja and the idea of giving a talk tonight, I must say uh, I did have some reservations and, and couldn't quite feel uh, all enthusiastic about giving a Dhamma talk. But then, you know, the Buddha had something to say about um, um, this particular point. And there's, a, there's, a, there's a discourse the Buddha gave on laziness. And one of the points he makes is there is that uh, he said that uh, then when a bhikkhu has been on a journey and returning from a journey, he thinks, I am too tired to practice and so I will take a rest. And uh, with that thought in mind, I, I'm inspired to reflect on Dhamma with you. Um, and not uh, just take a rest, which I was thinking about doing. <laughs> uh, but this reflection on, on uh, laziness is very important. The Buddha's discourse on laziness, I found it very helpful when uh, I came across it. It's one of these lists, you know, how in the Theravadan tradition we have all these lists, and uh, um, eight, the Buddha lists eight occasions on which uh, one who could be practicing, chooses not to practice out of laziness. And, and 
I used to find these lists very irritating, I confess. When I, I first, my early days of coming across Theravadan Buddhism, I, I, I was more into the kind of the, we're all one consciousness. And um, I, I didn't like this lineal thing of, you know, starting from here, this hopeless, ignorant me going on this lineal path towards enlightenment and checking off these stages and ticking off these lists and so on. And, and was uh, you know, thoroughly resistant to uh, many of the lists, you know, even the, the five hindrances and uh, seven factors of enlightenment, all these you know, pretty basic and thoroughly helpful things. I, my mind was closed to them. and It took me a while to realize that I was, uh, I was uh, investing too much in these lists. These are, these are skillful means. These are, these are not ends in themselves. This is not, this is not going back to school and, and, you know, somebody judging us and saying, yes, you're doing well and you're succeeding and you're getting closer to Nibbana now and, and you're a good boy. That's, that was my something I was adding to it. And, uh, with that in mind, I, I find now that a lot of these lists are really exceedingly helpful. I, I, I think I, I, I've spoken, um, probably quite a number of times about the, the ten paramitas and and how helpful I find that when you you're feeling a little stuck in practice and you know don't quite know where to go, what to do and things are not working, well you you know you can go through this list of the ten paramitas, dana, siva, nikama, aditana, and just see where you're at with these ten and this sooner or sooner or later one of them will feel deficient. One of them will feel weak, one of them will feel like, yes, I can engage on this level. This particular quality is something that I can right now give myself to. And so the ten uh, parameters is a, is a good reflection. As is, uh, as I mentioned, the, uh, the eight occasions of, of laziness that the Buddha described in this discourse on laziness. But uh, just before the meeting, just before I came over here, I got a phone call from Ajahn Jayanto at Amarawati, and and we had uh, some details, things to talk about, and and uh, I said, well, I've got to go now. It's time for puja, and uh, I thought I'd give a talk on laziness tonight, the Buddha's discourse on the eight occasions of laziness. He said, oh well, make sure you're careful that you don't just make people feel all sh- ashamed and guilty. And uh, I thought that was very good. Actually, I, I, that was that was good to have that be reminded about that because when we come to talking about these things, you know, like morality and you know, making effort and practice and laziness, and there is something within us that that the judge can very easily kick in, and we can start, as I was saying, measuring ourselves. You know, am I good enough? Am I doing as well as I should do? And whereas that can be a skillful tool for encouraging effort and practice, where a lot of us come from is that we then just give ourselves a very hard time. And, uh, you know, you go through this, I go through this list of eight occasions of laziness and I can, you know, I can tick off all of them. <laughs> I'm lazy on all eight accounts. And, um, and I can really start saying, oh, hopeless monk, you know, I should be doing better. And, so I just want to uh, prefix this reflection this evening uh, uh, with this, this encouragement to, to always be careful when we're 
considering these Dhamma themes that it doesn't activate something that's not helpful. Or if it does activate something that's not helpful, like the critic, the judge, you know, feeling guilty and, and so on, that we are ready to turn and investigate that. And this, is, uh, this is really terribly important throughout all aspects of our practice, that, that we are so rounded in our mindfulness that, that we're alert to when something undermining kicks in. You know, like the mindfulness, just mindfulness of feelings. You know, the, the, the Satipatthana, the four, the four foundations of mindfulness. The first foundation of mindfulness is the body. The second foundation of mindfulness is feelings. It, uh, this is very important to notice this, that the second foundation of mindfulness is, is feelings. To have a perspective on our feelings, it's really important that we have a perspective on our bodies. Yeah. It's not insignificant that, that the first foundation of mindfulness is mindfulness of body. Because with contemplating Dhamma, uh, like you know, contemplating the theme of r- giving rise to energy and enthusiasm for practice, yeah. uh, dealing with laziness, and feeling ashamed kicks in. If we're not well-grounded, we're not well-established in this body, in this level of awareness, then we can miss this. You know, we, we miss these feelings. We, you know, we can be busy feeling or guilty about something and thinking we're practicing. You know, the, the mindfulness of breathing practice that, that we all do, you know, we're actually doing something really good just by even, you know, sitting down and deciding to meditate. That's a really good thing to do. And the mind wanders a little bit and for a few minutes, then we bring it back and, and then we're busy, start feeling guilty. Well, oh, my mind is, I'm hopeless. My samadhi is really wretched. I'm, you know, I, you, know, you listen to a talk by Ajahn Brahm and, you know, you've got to go through this jhana and that jhana and, you know, he's very articulate and, and, and confident and, and inspiring in his uh, in his discourses on, on on developing the jhanas, but then we compare ourselves and think, oh, I'm hopeless. And and if we don't have a perspective on these feelings of I'm hopeless, for instance, well, instead of being encouraged in our practice, we feel discouraged. And that is not what the Buddha was talking about. The Buddha did not give his teaching to make us feel bad. Uh, the Dhamma is not to make us feel guilty or ashamed. Sometimes, uh, yes, if we've uh, been acting unskillfully, well, you know, when we hear the Dhamma, you know, well, then a sense of shame arises. But then we're supposed to be mindful of the feeling of being ashamed, about having done something unskillful, and then we learn from it, and then we feel good. So even feeling ashamed is just a way of learning how to feel good. And certainly not supposed to be something that makes us feel guilty. Now, there's a, a little sick loop that got programmed in there for so many of us, is that, you know, we have a a healthy sense of feeling ashamed out of having done something unskillful. You know, maybe you are a lazy wretch, you know, maybe you're a hopeless kind of lazy slob, and you hear the Buddha's discourse on on laziness and and you feel ashamed, good, appropriate. But then when we feel ashamed, we're supposed to then get energy going and then start feeling good about practice. That's, that's, That's how Dhamma teaches us. For us, maybe, you know, okay, I'm a lazy slob and I'm not making much effort and I hear the discourse on, on the eight occasions of being lazy and then I start feeling guilty and really, really getting off on just 
giving myself a really bad time. But that's, that's not the Buddhist path of practice. I don't know whose path of practice that is, but it's not the Buddhist path of practice. So just a little word of warning there before I go through this list of eight in case you can, you know, you know, tick off a few of these, um, like I can. Just to, you know, make sure that we stay with our feelings, how we feel about this. This is not stuff to make us feel guilty. Stuff to help us uh, learn to feel good about life. So, uh, so the first of these eight the Buddha mentioned was the, uh, he said, when a practitioner who could be practicing thinks, oh, I've got work to do. I must take a rest. I can't be practicing right now. This is not a time to sit in meditation. This is not a time to make effort and practice because I'm going to have to work hard. And so he takes a rest, or she takes a rest. And then the second um, occasion for for not putting effort into practice is that having done some work, having worked, having done the kitchen cleanup, as some of you did today, you can think, oh, well, I've been working hard. This is not a time for practice. I need to take a rest. Now, when we... This is applies to all of us. We all have work to do. We have work ahead of us. And uh, all of us presumably do do some work from time to time. And uh, if the thought comes up, well, I've been working too hard. This is not a time to practice. Well, this is something to reflect on. This is not... This is not just something to push past and or to just believe in. Because you know, tiredness, you know, I found that tiredness, tiredness is something you can you can really get some some space around. The feeling of tiredness is something that we can feel. I used to think that tiredness was tiredness. And it was me that was tired. And then when I became tired I had no energy for anything, couldn't do anything. But these days I find, I sometimes still believe that, but also there are other times when when tiredness arises, you can just feel tiredness. So tiredness feels like this, or even exhaustion. Exhaustion feels like this. And awareness, it's like, this is the thing you see, if if we contemplate this, you can get behind the really rather small dynamic that we're calling tiredness. You know, tiredness isn't that we don't have to become tired. You know, we, we can it feels that way and if we have a habit of believing in it, well then it's difficult to fall back into a larger awareness yeah, and get a perspective on it. But if we can listen to this uh, suggestion and then and then try it, practice it, it is really quite possible. Again, it's very important to have a foundation of mindfulness in the body because tiredness, like anything else, is going to register in the body, but it registers in the mind as well. But we don't have to believe in this. It can take us to laziness, or it can actually be an encouragement for practice. So the uh, the third the third of these occasions for for not practicing the Buddha mentioned was uh, when one thinks. Oh, I'm about to go on a journey. I've got to travel. I uh, no time to sit meditation today, um, or no time to reflect on Dhamma because I've got a journey to go on. And the fourth one is, oh, I've been travelling. Yeah, which is me. Yeah, 
I've been traveling, I've been traveling for nearly three months and I come back and I get a couple of days here. No toilets, no showers, pile of mail on my desk, a mountain high and, and I don't know how many emails and the Anagarika leaves within a few hours of our getting back and then after that, well then it's time to go and visit the devoted Buddhists of Edinburgh. And uh, there's definitely no time to meditate. I just need to take it easy. I need to relax. Or having been through all this and visited the devoted Buddhists of Edinburgh and Glasgow and, and a few incidental visits along route, you come back and, and you, you feel really justified. Say, oh, yeah, I just, I just, I don't need to practice. I don't need to be reflecting on Dhamma. Yeah, and just, I just need to chill. Well, actually, there is a time when what we need to do is just chill. And that's also important to know about, you know, because the workaholics, if there are any of you that are workaholics, you're just always, you know, just driving yourself, you know, always pushing yourself to get to the next, you know, completing of the project, you know, whether there's a material, something in the world, or, or inwardly, and, you know, well, there is such a thing as burnout. And, uh, Sometimes to be uh, just totally chilled is uh, is appropriate, and to relax. And like uh, in our new library that uh, John Bauer has uh, put a huge amount of effort into cataloging over the last three months, there's a, a section, uh, there's Theravadan Buddhism, Mahayana Buddhism, other religions, I don't know what else there is, but there's one section called Distraction. And this is for those who need to chill. And then you can go and, you know, you get all the books by Bill Bryson or something. And, and I particularly recommend the one called Down Under, where he talks about cricket. It's a <laughs> very, uh, very, very good distraction. Very, very skillful. Sometimes we need a little skillful distraction. Well, there's unskillful distraction, which we also all know about. But also bear in mind that there is such a thing as skillful distraction. But often it's the case that when we, uh, are tired, like we've been on a journey, and we come back, that uh, it's not skillful distraction that we need, it's just to see if we can remember the awareness that perspective that doesn't want to practice. I mean, it doesn't mean to say that we're going to have to go and sit for an hour, but just before we chill, just before we pick up Bill Bryson or, or or whatever it is we're going to do, and we just spend a few minutes just to feel the feeling of, I really feel tired, and I really don't want to practice. Even the feeling I don't want to practice is something we can learn from. I don't want to be mindful. It's fine. There's absolutely nothing wrong with feeling the feeling of, I don't want to be mindful. I don't want to know anything about Buddhism. That's a very good feeling to feel. You know, I've, I've felt that one many times. Religion. Give me a break. Well, sometimes it feels like I felt like that. I just, oh, I'm fed up to the teeth with this religious bunkum. <laughs> you know, you just, we can feel that. You know, we don't have to just turn away from it and feel guilty and I shouldn't be feeling such thoughts. Or we don't have to just buy into it in the way it appears. I mean, it's all right to be fed up with Buddhism and the monastery and monks and this is practice. You know, we, we, it's not the case that 
just because we've been on a journey or we've got work to do or whatever else, then we feel like not practicing, that we should believe in that impulse. The impulse to not practice is something that we can practice with. I see some of you are yawning. Maybe my talk is getting very boring. Boring? Well, you, you can practice with it, yeah. Boring Dhamma talk. That's, that's good. Yeah. The uh, fifth occasion the Buddha pointed out as something to be mindful of was um, with regards to food. And uh, he was talking to monks and he said, well, a monk thinks that I did not get the alms food that I needed. I'm too tired or I'm not nourished enough to practice. And, uh, and well, this is, this is not something that ever really happens to us because you know, we're, we come under the usually the sixth category, which is a monk thinks, well, I've eaten very well today. This is not a time to practice. It's a time to rest. And I think I'll just have a little power snooze, which, um, you know, and instead of a power snooze of ten minutes, it turns into two hours. And, and this can happen very easily. And, uh, when we overeat or we undereat, I mean, this is, this is an excuse that, uh, that, I don't know, probably most of us have come across at some time or other. On retreats, it's often, you know, it's, you know, people not used to keeping the eight precepts and, and then all this really yummy food gets presented every day and uh, you're not used to not eating in the evening and you think, oh, if I don't eat enough, I'm going to be tired in the evening. I won't be able to practice and, and so I better eat more than I really feel like. <laughs> in other words, I really want to eat as much as I want to. And uh, then, of course, afterwards you feel, oh, I'm stuffed. I need to go and have a little snooze. Well, when we feel like that, nothing wrong with that. That's, that's something good to practice with. You can do a little walking meditation and feel, what does it feel like to feel stuffed? You know, I really don't want to practice at all. All I want to do is go to sleep. Yeah. And, uh, and we can meditate with that. We can feel the, feel the space around it. Again, if we've got a perspective in the body, you know, it's just, it just can't be overemphasized. If we're trying to practice on the subtle level, like thoughts I have about going to have a sleep, I shouldn't be having this thought and we're busy caught up in our thoughts and I shouldn't be thinking this thought. It's, a kind of, it's like, it's just, it's just dealing with the surface. It's not getting to the core of the issue. If we come back to our body, the whole body awareness and feel, what does this whole body feel like when it's totally stuffed with food and wants to sleep and doesn't want to meditate? It doesn't want to reflect on time. It doesn't want to reflect on, you know, all the issues of life. It just wants to blank out. If we have an awareness of the whole body, well, we've got a perspective, and, you, and that awareness supports us in then looking on a more subtle level. Of course, again, bearing in mind that we don't want to just get into feeling guilty and judgmental about the state. Yeah, if that's happening, well, then maybe we've got to turn to looking at that. But Well, the other, the other aspect of that uh, reflection of laziness is, you know, we, we, haven't got, well, we haven't got enough vitamins. That's uh, well, these days... Uh, um, Say, oh, I definitely can't meditate today. I haven't, you know, I've run out of my vitamin E pills. Or, uh, or the diet is not good enough in this monastery. Well, as I said, that doesn't happen here very often. It did used to happen in Thailand. 
And quite frankly, there were times when it was true. In uh, some of the monasteries in the olden days, uh, in, uh, in the very poor parts of the country, uh, the food that the uh, villagers there gave us was the very best food they had. But for most of us, the kind of rich food that we were used to, it wasn't, uh, basically it was very difficult. And some of the monks, you know, we suffered from uh, beriberi. Uh, I mean, there's one monk who was having these hallucinations thinking that it was a spiritual experience. <laughs> Poor guy just had beriberi and needed a little vitamin B and <laughs> he got over it, all right? So that's not usually a problem with us. We don't usually have to worry about, oh, I haven't got enough food today. But the other one is is, uh, is something that we might sometimes have to reflect on. And then the seventh occasion for um, being lazy, uh, the Buddha pointed out, was, "Oh, I'm feeling, I'm not feeling very well today. You know, have a little mild illness, a, like a headache. You got a you got a headache, and oh, well, the thought of meditating with a headache or." We, I don't know, whatever else, you know, might have got a little sniffle or something. I'm hopeless. I'm a total hypochondriac. I, I tell you, I'm, I confess it. I'm a, it's a, it's a Virgo thing, you know. We, we Virgos are mostly hypochondriacs and, you know, you get a little something rather than we think it's a terminal illness. And, and, um, I found this very helpful to practice with. You know, it's, a, you feel, I'm too sick to meditate. Yeah. Sometimes sickness is a, because it, it can really, I mean, because it's the, you know, sometimes the whole body, you know, when you've got a fever and you just, you're racked with a fever, you've got a, one of these wretched flu bugs. I had it this time when I was traveling um, to New Zealand. All November, December, when everybody else was coming down with colds, I didn't have a single cold, didn't have a cough, and I was feeling kind of pleased with myself, really, kind of all these wimps in the monastery, you know, falling down all over the place <laughs> they with their colds. And, but then... Um, on my way down to Heathrow to catch the plane to Bangkok, you know, I picked up a bug on the train and I could tell on the flight out that it was already starting to take over and the first day in Bangkok, a really sore throat and, and I had a whole list of engagements, just, you know, I don't know, four days of, of engagements, of uh, house blessings and, 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 you know, significant meetings and, and chanting and and it turned out that uh, Ajahn Punyo, who had come up from Rayong to spend time with me in Bangkok, he also had a very bad cold. We both had equally bad colds. And, and we'd go to these, these blessing ceremonies and so on. I can tell you, that was the worst chanting I have ever heard. I mean, the chanting was unbelievable. It just sounded like a bunch of cats being killed. I mean, it was really... But the, uh, the, of course, the devoted supporters were very grateful for our effort and I think they kind of smiled a little bit because <laughs> it, was, it was hilarious. It was, just, it was just really, really outrageous the noise that we made. And then, of course, I'm trying to deliver a discourse and um, hacking away. And uh, this went on for several days. And jet lag at the same time. And uh, and this carried on when I went up to Wat Nana Chart. And, of course, the monks out there are you know real monks. They don't sleep on soft mattresses like we do here. You know, you just got a little blanket on the on the floor, which I wasn't quite used to. So jet lag and sore hip and, and hacking and coughing all night. I was sick. I wasn't having a good time. But, you know, if there's a commitment to practice, then even when all these things come together, and, uh, and it's really, really nasty, 
you can access you can access a space behind it. You know, this, and this is this is this is the commitment to awareness that even when we're feeling really sick, yeah, that that doesn't mean to say that we can't practice. It's if we wait until we get sick before we practice, well, you know, it's, uh, maybe we're going to find it a little difficult. But if we contemplate like this, you know, and this is this is what's so wonderful about these these things the Buddha pointed out that just because you've got a little illness doesn't mean to say you can't practice. It's we can contemplate the feeling of being sick, the feeling of not wanting to practice. Or the eighth occasion for laziness, the Buddha pointed out, was that when you've been sick and you're recovering, eventually I, I let go of my scruples and ended up taking antibiotics. I waited quite a long time. I thought Adrian would be really scowling at me. You know, I mean, Adrian goes out to Asia and tells off all these doctors for distributing antibiotics and well you don't they don't distribute they basically you just go into shop and buy them you know so I fortunately just somebody went into a chemist and got me some nice amoxicillin and you know I started popping these pills and nothing much happened it didn't work very well and I don't know I think I did these things for 10 days and nothing happened so then I changed to another drug I thought, well, well you know that drug didn't work and doxycycline I always like doxycycline that's a good one and so you know I popped pills from doxycycline for five days and and then it was gone eventually. And, well, of course, the doctors would say, well, it was ready to clear up after that period of time. I mean, you should never have taken the drugs. Well, who knows? But anyway, we go through these cycles and uh, we take drugs or we don't take drugs. But sickness is not something that has to stop us from practicing. You know, I can remember in those the early days in, uh, in Thailand when we, when we lived... Uh, Ajahn Chah would, would insistent that we every week on the moon night, the quarter phases of the moon, we had to stay up all night. And I'm afraid I'm a softy here, and uh, I can't, and I don't do it, and I certainly don't insist on other people doing it. I encourage people to try and stay up till midnight on the, the moon days, but uh, I never insist or anybody on staying up all night. But uh, in those days, we didn't have any choice. It was good. It's good when you don't have any choice. It makes life very simple. And so you just basically had to stay up all night. And sometimes about 2 o'clock in the morning, you know, it's just, you just, there's just no energy left. I wasn't like one of these guys who had great samadhi. You just kind of, like Ajahn Chah, you know, he could drop into samadhi for 30, 40 minutes and come out fresh and alive and inspired and then start another three-hour discourse before the monks go out on arms round. And, uh, well, I wasn't one of those. I was nothing like one of those, and still not like that. So uh, for me, it was a lot of endurance, which was very good, because uh, you know, I experimented with it. And there were times when sometimes I would, uh, some of us would have a little stash of uh, of coffee in our cootie. I don't think we're supposed to, but uh, there you go. You can't be good all the time. So we'd go off and we'd have a little brew up, and you know, we'd have what we would call a Queen Victoria, which was. Coffee, cocoa, coffee mate, and a lot of sugar. And this is the closest thing you could get to getting stoned as a monk. And it would. You're full of energy. I mean, it's really good. And, and I confess there were even occasions when somebody managed to find a little tobacco. And so uh, you've got this, all this oxygen in your brain, and, and you're full of energy. You can think, oh, now I'll go out there and I'll, be really, I'll really meditate and show these guys. Yeah. But the mind was crazy, absolutely crazy. 
yeah, there was a lot of energy, all this caffeine coursing through the system, but also all the defilements were energized. You know, all the, all the heedless tendencies of mind were just, they were really alive. They were having a great time. And what was interesting was that if when you didn't, when I didn't pump myself up with caffeine and sugar and tobacco and just willingly received the feeling of I'm tired or I'm unwell or whatever, but it feels like this, just re- take turning to the refuge of awareness instead of becoming the sensation of tiredness or illness or being overfed or overjourneyed or whatever, you know, just really remembering the point of our practice and turning to the awareness that we can even feel this. And it's great sometimes to be sick. You know, sickness can teach us a lot. Tiredness can teach us a lot. Disagreeable situations can teach us a lot. And in this case, when we're you know, talking about feeling ill and run down, you know, that also the defilements, the chilesas, the, the heedless tendencies of mind are also very weak. And uh, if we remember our refuge at that point, well then you know, we're able to sometimes let go of things that we can't when those defilements, those chilesas are really strong and pumped up. So it's not the case that we should always be taking more vitamins and taking more caffeine and sugar and so on to make ourselves feel good so that we can practice well. I used to do this for, for, for years at Chithurst. I, you know, I wasn't very well in my first years when I came back to, to England and, and, uh, and people were very generous and would give you all sorts of medicines and, and I'd get somebody to give me these powdered vitamins that you could stick under your tongue and it's like, it just goes straight to your brain. It's really good and you get spirulina tablets and, and real coffee and, and so sometimes, <laughs> Sometimes when I, I was really tired and I'd have to give a talk, I'd just take some of these you know, vitamin powders under my tongue, a handful of, of spirulina tablets and a big, great big cup of coffee and then go out and, and really inspire everybody with my profound dhamma. Well, that was all rubbish, really. It was just, it was just false energy. And at the time, that was, I was still very fooled by what it feels like to feel tired. Well, as our commitment to practice deepens and strengthens and our feeling for the refuge in awareness becomes more all-pervading, it's not just I'm aware when I feel good, but that we can even be aware when we feel really not good. When you've got a headache, or stomach ache, or diarrhea, or whatever it is, that we turn to the refuge in awareness instead of to the condition then we don't have to get lost. We don't have to distract ourselves by a bad mood or pump ourselves up with some artificial energy. And it's practice. We can do it. So on this uh, occasion of feeling um, rather tired, but actually quite inspired as well, and having only just a very little amount of caffeine in my system, um, I hope these reflections are done more of use to you. Thank you for your attention. Namayang namatata sa dukarang natama sa 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 s